live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So it's great to be back, except not like this. I mean, I would love very much to be hyped to get things back to normal after the holiday break. But then again, this morning, nothing feels normal, obviously, because I don't think any of us can really think about very much other than DeMar Hamlin and his family and his team and everyone who understands that what happened last night was traumatic and will never be forgotten and that, in fact, it rendered that game completely meaningless. I tweeted as much last night, and I want to say it again right now. This is what I said last night. Pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family, and absolutely this game should be canceled. The game did not matter. The only thing that mattered was and is a young man fighting for his life. The game simply did not matter. Nor did the playoff implications or seedings or TV ratings or sponsors or gambling or fantasy action associated with that matchup. None of it mattered. It still doesn't. The players know the risks that are associated with engaging in such a violent sport. But that didn't make last night any less horrifying because I've never seen anything quite like that, nor have I seen players react the way they did on both sides, understandably, because it was one of the most disturbing, terrifying things ever. Here's the latest update from the Buffalo Bills, which came last night before 1 a.m. Eastern time, and I quote, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and listed in critical condition. End of statement. Terrifying words to read out loud, and unfortunately, that's what we have right now. That's essentially the information that we have right now. So, of course, we'll continue to monitor and keep you updated as we learn anything more on his status moving forward. But for right now, that's all we have. If for some reason you missed it last night, Hamlin went down after a collision with T. Higgins midway through the first quarter. He had to be given CPR on the field for multiple minutes and then received oxygen before he was lifted into an ambulance. 16 minutes after he collapsed, He was then on his way to UC Medical Center, and the game never resumed. The question was not whether or not to postpone that game, but rather, what took so long to do so? That game stopped mattering as soon as DeMar's heart stopped beating on the field. And how insane was that suggestion on air that there would be a five-minute rest break, a five-minute player break before the play resumed? Who was the idiot that came up with that? Now, the NFL has denied that that was the plan. But obviously, somebody floated that idea. Obviously, somebody had that idea, or it would not have ended up on the broadcast. I mean, the most idiotic idea ever. Somebody who mattered actually thought, in that moment, that the show must go on, or Joe Buck would not have said that that was the plan. And he said it more than once. The two head coaches you can see got together and 
they'll have five minutes to warm up. And Troy, I mean, you played this game for the majority of your life. And then after that, you've been calling these games. First of all, I've never seen no. anything like this. Lisa, they, as we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field. But nobody's moving. Then when we got the update that within five minutes these players were going to start playing football again, we saw Zach Taylor live walk across the field to Sean McDermott. Players were being told that they would have five minutes to get back ready for play, and the players were standing around. ESPN. So, of course, I'm not putting that on Joe Buck. I'm putting it on the idiot who actually thought that resuming that game was an actual possibility. The decision to postpone that was one of the easiest decisions ever because what we had just witnessed was one of the worst things ever. Yet, to virtually everybody at home watching that broadcast, that appeared to be the plan. They were going to try and play that game? They were going to try and resume that game in five minutes? Players on the field were sobbing. Others were in shock. Many were looking away terrified. Did it look like anybody on that field wanted anything to do with continuing that game? A player was fighting for his life as the entire nation looked on, but they were just going to take a five-minute break and resume playing. Did anybody anywhere with a soul want that game to continue? Of course not. The only thing any reasonable, compassionate human with a soul wanted was to get an update on DeMar Hamlin. The game simply did not matter. So forget this nonsense about nothing is bigger than the game. A human life is bigger than the game. And a man continues to fight for his at this very moment. So no credit for doing the right thing in postponing that game. I'm still not sure why it took as long as it did for that decision to be made. Because, as I mentioned, I have never seen anything like that. And I'll never forget seeing that either. Again, thoughts and prayers are with DeMar Hamlin and his loved ones. And we'll continue to monitor that situation and hope for the best. Because at this point, sadly, there's nothing else that we can do. Nothing other than to open this up and let me provide a platform for those of you who want to talk about this. Because, again, these are the days more than any other on this show when you should be on the phone or you should be on social media coming together and sharing your thoughts if you want to. You know, again, this is not a serious caller-driven program typically. We have fun with the calls, but it's on these days when I'm not saying that you have to. I'm not saying that you should. I'm saying if you'd like to. As horrific as that is, if you want to express how you feel, if you want to share your thoughts, if you want to take part in this conversation, I'm here for this. This is what this platform is for on these days more than any other days. So I tell phone number is toll free, 1-800-636-8686. Once again, toll free, 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on social media, you can go ahead and do that. Follow me at Jim Rome on Twitter. If you want to email the program, you can do that too. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at Habitate.com. You know, something else I want to get into a little bit later on, and I have been struggling with the question all morning long, but, you know, what now? What do you do with this now? 
where do you go with this now? I think that for many of you, and I, I find this to be kind of trite, but I think a lot of you, a lot of you might not be fair. A number of you think they know what they signed up for. They get paid a whole lot of money. I would do the same thing. I know this. The players know this. The players know the inherent risks. The players know what they signed up for. The players know that there's potentially extraordinary wealth. They know these things. They know these things, but did you see the reaction last night? It doesn't make it any less traumatic. It doesn't make it any less disturbing. Even if we knew that this was a possibility, it did play out last night. And we all saw it. And I'm not saying that we spend three entire hours on this, although we could. I'm just saying that this is the most important topic far and away. And it's one of those days where it's hard to think about other things. And believe me, before seeing that game last night, and like everybody else, I was so excited about that game, one of the games of the year. And I was coming out, and believe me, the last couple of days I've been fired up and hyped up to get back to work, to get back to the show, to talk about some things that have happened in the last couple of days especially, and now it's hard to do so. But I'm going to open it up to you. The fans, the tradition, the glory, there is nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game on Monday. And I'm here to tell you the go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. I love that matchup. Georgia, TCU, who you got? Right now, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. But you have to use the code ROME, R-O-M-E, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Doc, my fingers are crossed. Are you there? I am, Jim. And let me say one thing. I am so thankful it was just, whether it was my phone or your phone that went haywire, I'm so thankful that the emergency action protocol by the NFL, by the Bengals home team staff, and the Bills went like clockwork smooth yesterday, last night. And uh, that literally was the thing that may have, and hopefully, I'm hopeful, that has saved his life. Doc, I see what you just did there. You want to make sure you get that point in before we got cut off once again. So, so far, so good. Why don't you, since we're still good, maybe elaborate on that. What was the protocol? Exactly what happened in those moments? And why were you so impressed with what you saw? I'm impressed because, you know, every team drills this in the preseason. And we all think we're not going to need it. I mean, in my career in the NFL, we never did this. Well, there was one occasion where there was a guy who went down, a, a member of the chain gang on the sideline, and the game was stopped for 10, 15 minutes, and there was some uh, cardiac life support to the chain gang member, but never to a healthy player on the field like that. And everyone sprung into action very, very appropriately and quickly. You know, a lot of people, and sometimes deservedly, criticize the NFL related to the concussion protocol. 
But I think those same people need to give kudos here. You know, uh, the Bengals, the home team, acted very, very quickly. The trauma center's on standby. The paramedics, uh, there's a meeting before the, the, the game, 90 minutes before, of all the doctors and emergency personnel to go over some la- any last-minute details. And it just worked very well. And uh, this is what gives us hope. And before we got cut off, I was talking about how emotional it was for me because as a parent to see that, and I'm thankful my my wife got the kids out of the room. Uh, I I can't imagine how emotional it was for viewers and some of your listeners, which is why I decided to do some of the the appearances to to sort of give people some hope, some perspective, some framework without speculating. But right now, I'm very very cautiously optimistic that there's going to be a good outcome here. Why? Because his heart was restarted on the field. He, they got to him within seconds and uh, maintained with CPR, blood flow to the brain. Uh, he apparently has vital signs. Yes, he's still critical. Yes, he still has a breathing tube, but those are, quote, normal things when you're in an ICU setting. So I'm cautiously optimistic, and, you know, I hope, that my mind isn't playing tricks on me trying to look at the sunny side and trying to speak things into existence. But I'm very hopeful that this young man will be okay. And another great sign even last night, I thought, besides everyone doing their job very well, was the fact that it was well reported that the ambulance waited in the tunnel for the mob. If you're unstable or actively continuing CPR, you're not waiting for the mob. And so I just hung on to that hope. And uh, with the Bills report, it seems to be coming true, but there's still more steps to come. And uh, it was a scary situation that I've never personally encountered, but I wanted uh, to you know, express some of that to as many people as possible because I think it was very, very disturbing. Extremely well said, Doc. I'm so glad that we battled through that to have this conversation. Dr. David Chow is an orthopedic surgeon. He's a former team doctor for the Chargers. He is also the man behind Sports Injury Central where they are covering this. Doc, can you explain, it seemed like a routine play. In fact, it was a routine play. Medically speaking, exactly what happened to DeMar Hamlin? Well, it was clearly cardiac in nature because he got up. It wasn't his head. But when you get up, if your heart isn't beating correctly and delivering blood, there is no blood flow to your brain. In a few seconds, and it was like three, four seconds, he collapsed, and they started CPR. Look, I don't want to speculate in, in on the injury specifics, but there is something called commotio cordis. It's not very common where you can get hit in a very unlucky spot in the chest at the exact right part of the EKG wave status, and it makes your electrical system, your heart, go haywire. That could have been the cause of it. Of course, they'll look at any underlying cause and anything else, but super scary. And, you know, uh, the fact that they restarted the heart pretty quickly, I think it just bodes very well. Look, last night in game, I was saying, I hope to God that they continue to play this game because I felt like the only way they could continue to play this game if they knew that he was okay. And if they didn't know he was okay, there's no way they could finish that game. And this situation, Jim, is much different 
than what we saw, let's say, with Josh Sweat over the weekend in the Eagles when he was spine boarded off. That's scary. But you know what? Players have seen that before, and they've walked away often. And you usually get a thumbs up. Like the Ryan Shazier situation in that same stadium years ago was was scary. But this one was just different. Uh, I bet very few, if any of your listeners, have ever personally witnessed CPR and a defibrillator on a live person, much less a friend and a teammate. I mean, that is just so horrific uh, of a visual, and I'm glad that they didn't show it on TV. And and that's why I was emotional, and the players were emotional. And look, uh, prayers out, and let's keep speaking this optimism into existence. I'm very hopeful, and I've never wanted to be more right about analysis in my life. Talking to Dr. David Chow, an orthopedic surgeon and former team doctor for the Chargers, also the man behind Sports Injury Central. Doc, I think you make you you echoed something I said earlier that I understand that there are inherent risks in this game. The players know this. It's a dangerous game. They know what they sign up for. But this, in fact, is different. This is very different. The point that you just made, that if the listeners have never, ever seen CPR administered or a fibrillator used in a situation like that, I mean, it, it really is a terrifying thing, right? Is this not part of the reason why the it's, players it's, were so upset around him? It's, it's terrifying for, for, for anybody. Uh, and, and look, I didn't like the, the looks of it. You know, look, I'm not a heart expert. I'm orthopedist. I was a head team physician. But the other point I want to make out to viewers here is, you know, kudos to the NFL with the protocol. But there are literally, there's no, other than if you're actually in a hospital when you collapse and have a heart attack. Uh, and, and even then, it has to be witnessed, right? But there's no better place for that to happen, not that you ever want it to happen, than an NFL football field. Uh, because there are over two dozen medical personnel, emergency personnel, trauma uh, physicians, the cardiac cart, two defibrillators, the paramedics, the drilling ahead of time, the meeting before the game, the drill, drilling preseason, et cetera, uh, that every team undergoes. There's no, quote, safer place to have a heart attack than on an NFL field. Uh, remember a few years ago, Jim, Gary Kubiak, as he walked off the field at halftime for the Texans as the head coach collapsed. And I said that then, and, and thankfully uh, he was uh, saved as well. And so let's hope so far that everything goes smoothly and we can continue to say that the Bengals and Bills personnel and the, the field personnel, medical personnel, save this young man's life. And that's what we're hopeful for. But that's why all these precautions are there uh, for a just-in-case situation. Right. You hope you never need to use them, but just in case. Doc, a thought before you go. When he was given a breathing tube, was that necessarily bad news, or was that a bad sign? Well, in general, it's never good when you're 24 and you have a breathing tube, period, end of discussion. But the NFL personnel on the field have the ability not only for a breathing tube, but even to to uh, do what's called a, 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 a you know a tracheostomy to cut into his airway for emergency purposes. They didn't need to do that, but it is relatively quote routine and normal to have a breathing tube to be sure your breathing is controlled if you're in a critical care situation and in the ICU. So the next hope is that later today or more likely tomorrow morning, we get word that the breathing tube is removed. The, the breathing tube in and of itself is not necessarily worse news given the cardiac arrest situation. All right, so Doc, do this. Next time you and I speak, we'll be talking about the matchups 
but we're not doing that right now, and I'd rather not get into that right now. But what I do want you to do, if you don't mind, can you direct our listeners and our viewers to Sports Injury Central? Because as I mentioned, you said it yourself, you weren't sure whether or not you wanted to do it last night, but I was watching you and monitoring you, and you did provide video and analysis last night during this episode. Where should they go to get more information as you continue to track this story yourself? Well, we hope good news comes, but as any news comes, we'll provide the analysis at SICscore.com, Sports Injury Central. Our goal there is to be responsible analysts in this world, not speculating on injuries, but giving people insight and comfort, especially in this very, very scary, frightening case, uh, in a very respectful way without going overboard, uh, providing some background and framework based on the time that we've had in the NFL, et cetera, to try and explain things to, to fans. And we'll continue to do so on SICscore.com. And one of the things like fans I think we're, we're clamoring about last night too, and I've heard Jim is why was the ambulance so slow? Why didn't they just load them in and go? Well, the reason why is that you can't transport an unstable patient. Uh, you're safer on the field with the 24 medical personnel and all the equipment than you are in an ambulance with three people. So the rule of thumb is you stabilize before you transport. You don't just load them and go when the patient is unstable. So that wasn't anything the, that, the, that the people on the field did wrong. That was normal protocol. So we try and explain these things to people to make them feel better in a very frightening situation. So I'm glad you made that point, Doc. And also I'm glad that th- this is why I battled to finish the conversation. That was well worth the time. Doc, I appreciate you staying in that battle with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate the insight and the perspective. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. Pat Forty joins me. Pat, so good to have you back. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Jim. Good to be back on with you. It's great to have you, Pat. Always appreciate the conversation and so much going on. I'm not even sure where to start, but what do you say we start with Tulane beating USC? Pat, I'd ask you if you were surprised by Tulane beating USC, but I already know that you're not because you called that shot weeks ago. Why were you skeptical of USC coming into this one? Well, I guess, you know, I had been at the... uh... The the Pac-12 championship game and saw the complete defensive collapse there. Uh, I had been at the the U- other Utah USC game and saw uh, USC fail to tackle. And I thought, you know, that uh, one thing Tulane does they run the ball well, they run it hard, and uh, they had a chance to exploit the USC defense. And certainly, it turned out that way. They they needed a few extraordinary circumstances to happen along the way, but. You know, I think that's set up as a, a, another team that could exploit a very weak USC defense. Talking to Pat Forty. So, Pat, defensively, obviously, they had a lot of question marks coming in and certainly no answers coming out. I mean, Lincoln Riley comes in and captivated the town, did a great job. However, this, right? So, after the game, he answers only three questions from reporters, and then he bounces. What did you make of his act after the game? I thought that was poor. You know, you... You're getting paid 
an extraordinary amount of money. Uh, you need to stand in there and answer the questions, good times and bad. It's it's one thing to to you know be the the media conference press conference guy when you're uh, winning games and you're playing for the Pac-12 championship, and it's a whole other thing when you're losing. You've got to do both, and Caleb Williams needs to do both too, in my opinion. You know, there's another guy who's who's being paid a pretty good sum of money, and uh, those guys are the the front and face of front and center face of that team, and they need to be present uh, it, all the time when you win and when you lose. Talking to Pat Forty, Pat, I'm going to move on, but I don't want to make that only about USC. For instance, how insane is it that Tulane went from two and ten to twelve and two and beat USC in the Cotton Bowl and beat them in the fashion that they did? That's incredible, unbelievable, like a turnaround unlike anything we've seen. Really, I mean, just an extraordinary thing. And that you know, Willie Fritz had been highly regarded, a hot name, and then he went 2-10. and 10, and I was thinking, gosh, is, you know, as the worm turned, is, is he now going to go from hot coach to hot seat? Uh, Tulane obviously wisely didn't do anything. They bring him back, and, and he has this great season. And, I, you know, that's a good league they won. They beat Central Florida. They beat Cincinnati. Uh, that's, that's a quality, quality program that they have put together there. And it shows it can be done, and you can compete. And I, we're going to get to see those teams in the playoffs in a couple of years, and I think that's really exciting and brings a lot of hope to a lot of programs out there. Pat Forty joining us and breaking it down as only he can. So, Pat, in terms of the championship game, I mean, never mind the title game, is it fair to say that TCU is the most unlikely participant in CFP history, period? Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. And some people say, wait a minute, what about Cincinnati? Cincinnati was 12-1 and the year before. Cincinnati was a top-10 program before they made the playoff, TCU was five and seven last year. Was picked to finish seventh in the Big Big Twelve. A new coach uh, was starting the wrong quarterback at the beginning of the year. So for them to get where they are was just, I think, amazing, incredible. They do have the bones of a powerhouse. You are sitting on great talent in the DFW Metroplex. Uh, you have facilities galore they've got everything you need and now you've got a coach to do it too so i mean they've put it together but in coming into this season not a single person in the world was thinking about tcu as a playoff team. pat 40 joining us i agree with you pat it's all right there it's all right there they've got the recruiting they've got the facilities they've got the commitment and obviously way ahead of schedule i mean can they win this game can you make an argument for them winning this game yes I mean, I would be shocked, but, but yeah, absolutely. It can happen. Um, one thing we've seen, they've got a big play offense. They've got players who can make huge plays at running back and at receiver. And we saw a Georgia defense that can be exploited. This is not the same Georgia defense as last year. It's good, but it's not dominant. And I think they especially are susceptible at the corners and in the secondary and, you know, we'll see what Quentin Johnston and some of the other receivers for TCU can do against them and against a really good quarterback who's mobile and makes smart decisions with the ball like Max Duggan. So I expect points. I think there's going to be plenty of points on the board. Again, I think Georgia's going to win. I think Georgia will play better than they did against Ohio State, but there are some weaknesses Georgia has that correspond with strengths that TCU has. We are talking to Pat Forty. I can't let you go, Pat, without a few more things. You mentioned Ohio State. Why don't we go back to the Big Ten for a minute? So Michigan and Ohio State both get to the semifinals, but considering Ohio State 
blew a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, considering Michigan was a huge favorite. How humbling was the end of the season, not just for those two teams, but for the entire conference? Yeah, I mean, you know, they they had a great six months from June 30th when when they pirated uh, the whole LA market market to August uh, when they signed the the richest media rights deal in history to December, early December, when they get two teams in the playoff for the first time. It was a great run for the Big Ten there. Uh, but then there's no follow-through at the playoff. I, I, Ohio State played great. I think they played extremely well, the best game I've seen them play in two years. But they still blew a lead at the end of the game. They had another fourth-quarter defensive collapse. Uh, as for Michigan, that was hugely disappointing. No disrespect to TCU, but if Michigan doesn't screw it up for themselves on a couple of major occasions, they should probably win that game. Uh, they were good enough to win. They just didn't perform well enough when it mattered. And that's, that's really a big disappointment. If you want to be a championship team, you've got to play well when it matters. Hey, by the way, Pat, that's not like that's the first time that's happened. I mean, credit for Jim Harbaugh finally getting that thing turned around. But them not playing well enough when it matters is not the first time that's happened. Far from it. You know, you wrote, I thought, Pat, a really interesting column, and you posed a really interesting question for Sports Illustrated when you asked, do Michigan and Ohio State put too much into beating each other? How would you answer that? I think that there's reason to at least wonder, you know. I mean, I think Michigan put everything after losing six in a row to into we have got to beat Ohio State, and they did it last year. And, yeah, they had carryover momentum to the Big Ten championship game, and they beat a bad team. But when they had to play Georgia, I don't think they had enough left in the tank emotionally, mentally, and they were happy to be there, and they got routed. This time around, they said the right things. Well, you know, we're not just happy to be here, but I think it was almost a replay of that situation where they just had spent a whole lot uh, on beating Ohio State. And if you put 365 days into beating one team – (laughs) <laughs> what's left for, for, for the next level. And there were better offenses, TCU and Georgia, than they're used to seeing uh, on a week-to-week basis in the Big Ten. So, you know, as good as those programs are and as great as it is for them, them to have that rivalry, if you want to win national championships, you've got to do something other than just fixate on beating your rival. Pat Forty, my guest. Pat, one last thought. Of course, last year after they had a great year, Jim Harbaugh went and interviewed for the Vikings job. Speculation was he thought that he was going to leave with that job. He did not. He came back and, among other things, said, you know what, this is just a one-off. This is an anomaly. We're not going to do this every single year, except that it's starting again this year. There's more speculation that Denver's already reached out to him. Where do you come out on this? Do you feel like he has unfinished business in the NFL in his mind? And Is that a job, or would any of those jobs interest him? I do think that he has unfinished business. I think that's the way he looks at it. Uh, I would not be surprised if he takes an NFL job if one is offered to him. Uh, you know, he had great success in that league. He got to a Super Bowl. He lost to his brother. Uh, he had made it to other NFC championship games. He was really close. And I think he feels like, just give me another shot at that in that league. I can do it. Whereas in college football, he's close as well. But Michigan doesn't, hasn't necessarily approached NIL or the transfer portal the same way other places have and may not want to. And I just think he's wired to be an NFL guy and thinks that he would like another shot at it there. So 
We'll see if, if a franchise comes through with an offer, but I think there's a lot of people in Michigan that are preparing to have a coaching search here in a few weeks. I would think so. I would agree with you. He's a senior writer for SI, the co-host of College Football Inquirer podcast, a Big Ten Network analyst as well. Pat Forty is everywhere. Pat, so good to have you on. Appreciate you. Happy New Year and great to talk to you as always. Hey, you too, Jim. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Winston in Cincinnati. Winston, good morning. How are you? How you doing, Jim? Good, good. Winston, how are you? Uh, shaking, man. Sure. I mean, I was at the game last night. I've, I'm a Bengals season ticket holder. I've had tickets since 2004. I, I've never seen an ambulance pulled on the field before. That's when you knew things were going downhill. I mean, it was just... It was so strange because we, you saw the play happen, and you saw him go down, and then immediately people surrounded him. And we couldn't really see what was going on. And a guy down the, down the, down the road from me is like, it looks like they're giving him CPR. And it, was, it, it just didn't make sense because they brought boards out. you know. And usually when you see boards, that's, they're trying to restrain him. I was thinking it was a neck injury or something. But – Everybody was like, okay, another injury, we're sitting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And it, the longer it goes, and then they surround him, and it just, it was, I don't know, it was dramatic, man. I mean, you could tell the, the, the stadium was really hyped. I mean, it was it was fired up. The jungle was live last night, and everybody just, the longer it went, everybody got quieter and quieter, and it just, uh, it was difficult, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but... You know, I even talked to my wife. I was like, what's going on? Because we couldn't get any information. Right. And, uh, you know, I talked to my wife, and she's like, you know, this young kid, he's cute. He's a cute young kid. You know, he's not, uh, you know, he's fighting for his life. So it, it was hard. But uh, I think uh, I think a lot of it was just there was such a lack of information. And I know you're talking about the league suspending the game, but, it, there, nobody knew what was happening, and it happened so fast. And I think a lot of times the reaction, the slow reaction, and I don't know anything about the five-minute business, but I did see Zach Taylor go across the field uh, and talk to the other coach, and they, at that point everybody went to their locker rooms, and you just didn't know what was going on. And uh, I think the league you know, had the, a better handle on things that, you know, I, I don't blame them for not calling it right away. They did the right thing, though, certainly. You know, I mean, when we when it first happened, it's like, ah, Bengals are driving. Let's go. Come on. Let's get this guy off the field. Let me, let me jump in. First of all, you did a great job of summarizing what it was like to be in the stadium last night, and I appreciate that. The fans, the tradition, the glory, there is nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game on Monday. And I'm here to tell you the go-to for betting is – DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. I love that matchup. Georgia, TCU, who you got? 
Right now, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. But you have to use the code ROME, R-O-M-E, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Oh, one, one side story to the story. One day we're on the beach. And this woman comes over and says, Jim. I said, yes. She said, hi. I'm a longtime listener. I said, hey, how are you? And she looks over and I kid you not. And she says, and I quote, that must be Dodger Jano. And you must be Rogan Loam. And you must be Jake. And I just started laughing. And she said, that's creepy, right? I said, no, that's actually awesome. That is awesome. She's like, that's pretty creepy, right? I'm like, no, that is incredible. You must be Dodger Jano. I know you're Rogan Loam. You know what she knew? Rogan Loam. His yellow hair. Machine Gun Kelly look. Let me tell you about that yellow hair. So we come through Customs two nights ago. And customs is not the way it used to be. Remember back in the day, if you've traveled, you know this. Back in the day, when you're on the airplane coming back from, say, Mexico, they hit you with a bunch of paperwork, and you got to fill out all the paperwork, and you got to declare everything, and then everybody runs like hell through the airport. You want to beat that line. You get in line. You got to wait. It's not like that now. Now, when you go through customs, they ask for a passport, and they ask you to declare or show what you declared. We had nothing to declare. Big win. So essentially, all they do is they have you look into a camera. So Dr. Jano gets up in front of the camera. No issue. Jake Rome gets in front of the camera. No issue. Machine Gun Rogan gets in front of the camera. Rogan and I, by the way, I don't mess with those dudes at all. And he's looking Logan up and down. Looks at him. Looks at me. Looks at Dr. Jano and says... Um, what is your son's name? I'm like, it's the hair. So the, the, the technology is good, but not good enough to read Machine Gun Kelly's hair based on the photo they had in the system. There was something in that lettuce. An exorbitant amount of yellow dye. So anyway, if you traveled over the holidays... And, like, I went to a spot where there were not weather problems. That was the win right there, right? Like, all these flights being canceled because the weather was so jacked up nationally. We didn't have that problem. However, however, we were once again first, apparently, on the downgrade list. Now, these are first world problems. Don't get it twisted. I'm setting up another side story to the side story to the side story. So, we try to get in early. It was the big splurge of the year. I'm like, hey, fam, we're going to ride up front. And we get the ticket. They sell us the ticket. Then not long after we get the ticket, we are informed that there is no seat up front and you will be back in row 10. I'm like, man, that is so dirty. 
What, why do you sell the seat if you don't sell the seat, if you don't have the seat? Just tell us that, and we'll find another plane that maybe has the seat. But don't tell us we have the seat and we're good. So they overbook, they oversell, they cover their own ass. Wow, Rome must be rough having to ride back there in row 10. Again, not an issue. I think it's dirty pool myself, but that's not the issue. It was fine. It was great. It was awesome. You know why it was great? You know why it was awesome? Because we end up in a row of three. Dodger Jano, being the champ that she is, says, I'll sit in the middle. And you, old man, can have the aisle, which you like. So we get some rando up against the window. And said rando is probably, I don't know, mid-40s. And she looks pretty banged up. We flew on New Year's Day. So I know she went hard the night before. She's looking pretty banged up. She looks over at Dodger Jano and says, Excuse me. Um, would you mind if I open the window? Would we mind if you opened the window? I don't know, man. We're 40,000 feet up. I, do you want to get all of us sucked out the window? Oh, oh, you don't want to open the window. You want to open the blind, the shade. You want a little light. And then before we can answer, she goes, oh, I'm sorry. There isn't a window. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I had a rough night last night. I, I, I had too much to drink. Really? So had we not been first on the downgrade list again, I would have missed out on that. So I'm glad that we are first on the downgrade list. I think that's my lot in life. I think they've just determined that I will always be first on the downgrade list. No airlines mentioned. Man, I want to mention them so badly. I won't. I'm not that guy. Don't sell tickets that you don't have, all right? That, that's dirty pool to me. No. Tommy said the same airline that canceled 60% of their flights last week. Actually, the number I saw was 80, if we're talking about the same one, not that airline. I'm just saying, like, let me make the decision. If, there, if I've saved up all year, and that's the big treat for the fam, because, 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 we may not do that again. I don't know. I've got one graduating college, one graduating high school. We set it up accordingly. If you don't have the seat, just tell us. And then either we'll fly that flight or we'll take a shot somewhere else. But don't say, you're in, and then hit us back with, not even a choice, but you're out. That's it. You're out. You're in row 10. So then, one last thought. Me coming back. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you can see me smashing some tea. I was tea all the way back. I don't know what it is, man. Just the, the hot and the cold of Mexico. I kept going in. It was either like 15 degrees in a house or 115 degrees outside. The cold and the hot was not good for me. Anyway, I'm, I'm drinking tea all the way back. And Dr. Jano goes, I'll go Bloody Mary. I'm like, you will? That's out of character. Bloody Mary coming back? She's like, yeah, I thought. I thought. She's like, how, how do I pay for that? And then the waitress, Arr! the flight attendant comes over and says, you don't have to pay in this row. I'm like, yeah, there's a dub. Yeah! There's a dub. I don't know why we don't have to pay in this row. I know I'm not getting that tray of grub that I, that I thought I was getting up front, but that's a dub. Dodger Jano, DJ for short, did not have to pay for that bloody.
I'd say make it a double, but the two old people next to me already were. That's my other favorite part. I'm like, dang, get after it, Pops. That couple was like, and that guy, that guy was great. That old man went double gin. That was a man after my own heart. Double gin. I hope you were checking my Instagram stories. We stumbled upon a restaurant on New Year's Eve that was incredible. I saw a tequila room that I've never seen the likes of, and I posted the pictures. I didn't post them on Instagram, but I put them on my IG story. I hope you saw it. Pretty good stuff. And then you got Jake Rome, who works. This guy's own cash. And said, Pops, I got this round. I'll Venmo you the money back. I'm like, no way. 21 years later, it happened. He sent me money. Good times. So I just thought that I'd provide a little levity, share a little sunshine, let you know how that trip went. That was the Mexico run. He is Michael Lombardi. Michael, Happy New Year. Great to have you back. How are you? Good, Jim. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. You too, Michael. Thank you very much. A lot of ground to cover. I do want to touch on what happened last night. We've been talking about this at great length. I'm sure you have too, Michael, but I really want your thoughts. DeMar Hamlin collapses. He requires CPR on the field. He's taken to the hospital. Have you ever seen anything remotely similar to that in all your decades in the game? And I'm curious what kind of thoughts you had as you saw that play out. You know, Jim, it, it, I've never seen that before, you know, and, and footballs, I wrote about this for VEASAN.com online today, and I think what we witnessed last night was something outside of the norm. We all understand as participants in this great sport that there will be injuries, that the, the cart will come out, and there'll be broken bones, unfortunately. There'll be players that will hold our breath to make sure they have movement in their legs, and there'll be torn ACLs and, and those things. But this one was not a black or white thing. This became a very difficult shade of gray where the players had never witnessed this before. This was life or death on the field. And they watched this. They circled tightly to keep us from watching it. And that impact is something that the faces that I saw as the camera showed Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, all of them, the tears in their eyes told you the gravity of the situation. And it's just something we have never experienced before. We've seen it and we've all held our breath but we've never seen this life or death. And, and unfortunately, that's what happened. And hopefully today we pray for DeMar that he can battle his way through this. Michael, I so appreciate that response. I think that's fascinating what you just said. I mean, I understand that professional athletes have this amazing ability to compartmentalize and focus. But to your point, they are human beings. Like, how challenging do you expect it to be for the players on both teams to try to move forward when they do resume either this game or they play again? Or for everybody, actually. You know, I think to me what they did protecting us from seeing this, because the cameras were there, and I was grateful for ESPN not showing the replay of the hit uh, all the time because I didn't want to live back in that moment again. But I think what we as fans have to understand, these players, they're not robotic. They're, they're humans. And I think there's a huge need because of what they witnessed that they're going to need to have, you know, a professional therapist who deals with seeing trauma to help the players and the staff kind of navigate their way through this. Right. 
we we send soldiers to war and when they come back we think they're tough and they can deal with it when they can't and we need to help them and we need to help the players that were on that field i mean it was eerie sitting in my chair watching the game and no one made a sound in the stadium everybody unified themselves together because they knew what was happening and i think there's going to require a long time of therapy to help these players work their way through the problem because football's a game requiring concentration. You, your job requires concentration. And how can you concentrate when your mind is somewhere else? And these players' minds were going to be somewhere else today, tomorrow. And until we know that Hamlin is going to be okay, it's going to be very challenging. Michael Lombardi is joining us. So, Michael, one final thought on that, to your point. If they need time, if they need therapy, if they need some space, uh, understandably, right? That was extremely traumatic. How are they going to get it during the season? Like, how do we process this? What do we do with this? It's an, you know, we're in uncharted areas. Again, we were, saw something last night none of us have witnessed before, you know? And, and so I don't know the answer to the question. I just know that it's outside of my expertise. It's just not something that we need people that deal with this, that understand it. Because football is the guy, you know, these football players, we, they're all tough guys, but they're sensitive tough guys. They have heart. They have families, you know, and, and they saw something. They saw a teammate, a soldier in arms with them, you know, and the bond that you get from the team. When teams become we instead of me, there's an incredible bond that we see at stadiums all the time when – we have the reunion, and we see the 50th, you know, last weekend in Washington, we saw the hogs on the field, and we saw that championship team. That's a strong bond you get from moving from me to we, and that bond never goes away, and that bond is what links it, and that bond was broken last night because one of, the, one of them were on the field fighting, and I think that that's going to require some repair. We are talking to Michael Lombardi, tremendous insight. He is a three-time Super Bowl executive, co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast, co-creator of The Daily Coach, which you should read, host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN. So, Michael, before you go, obviously so many other things I want to just touch on really quickly. Let me ask you about Philadelphia. So Philadelphia is pretty banged up. They have not been able to seal the deal yet and lock up that top seed in the NFC. Do you think they're going to get it done this week? And if so, are they still the ones to beat in that conference? You know, I do think they'll get it this week. You, you know, Jim, it's funny how the world shifts. You know, if you would have said to me a month ago, I, I would have said, Jim, the Giants are going to get in the playoffs because the Eagles won't care about Week 18 and they'll lay down and let the Giants win. Now it's the reverse. The Giants aren't going to care one bit. We're going to see a Tyrod Taylor Davis Davis uh, web game. We're going to see the backup quarterbacks for the Giants. You won't see Saquon. You won't see uh, Daniel Jones. Even though the Giants are not a talented team, whatever players they have, they're not going to play. The Eagles will walk in. That's why the line is over up to 14, somewhere around 13 and a half. But I would have never wow. thought that. I think where the Eagles are very vulnerable right now is with Lane Johnson out at right tackle, it hurts their line. Obviously, the quarterback is really good and played well. But defensively, last year, Jim, they played six elite quarterbacks, and you can go through them. Twice they played Tom Brady. They played Derek Carr when he was playing better. They played Herbert. They played Mahomes, and they played Dak Prescott. In those six games, the ball only touched the ground 36 times. They never got incompleted passes. And when they played good quarterbacks, Dak Prescott was 24 for 24 against their zone. I mean, they have struggled 
to play pass defense. And if their rush, which got four sacks on Sunday, can't get pressure on the quarterback, they are going to be vulnerable in terms of their pass defense. And they're going to have to hope their offense can carry them against an elite quarterback. But this, this year, the two elite quarterbacks, Brady and Rodgers, haven't played like elite. Now, maybe they're going to start playing like that, but they haven't at this point. So that does help them. Talking to Michael Lombardi, you actually are a step ahead of me. Michael, I was going to ask you, what do the Giants do? How do they approach this week? And you beat me to it. So that was a two-for-one. Let me ask you about Denver really quickly. I mean, what an insane situation that is. Michael, as you've watched Russell Wilson this year, I'm curious, what do you think has been more damaging to that team, his play at quarterback or maybe what seems to be his sense of entitlement? I think both. I think, you know, one of the things you learn – you know, last year in Seattle, and everybody was plotting this as the Super Bowl winning addition for the Bengals, for the Broncos. And, you know, and I kept saying on my show, the Lombardi line on Visa, and I kept saying, look, you know, the guy ran for 183 yards. He doesn't want to run anymore. And when quarterbacks don't want to run, they're like boxers who, who kind of flinch at every punch. They're, they can't do it. And when last year, you see it all this year. He doesn't work the ladder in the pocket. He doesn't step up into the pocket. He looks to go right or to go left. And he walks in the sacks more than he does. And so because of the constant battles he's fought over the years and the hits he's taken. Man, we were on a run, weren't we? We were on a roll. Michael Lombardi was just nailing it. Pat Forty did great. Had a phone call in there. We were just on it. If something seems we finished the call with the doc, if something seems too good to be true, all together now, it generally is. All good things must come to an end. Hey, Alvy, this is the first time I've used my Alvy voice this year. Why don't you run out the door and reset the phones again? That sucks. That sucks. Definitely one his thoughts. He was talking about Russell Wilson and that when you, quote, are no longer climbing the ladder, in fact, I'm going to let Michael finish that. Michael, I'm sure that was me and not you. Thanks for playing through that. Why don't you finish that thought on Russell Wilson? Well, so what happens is to quarterbacks, when they get hit too much, their yards per attempt goes down. That's a key stat in football. You know, and Brady's stat this year in yards per attempt is the lowest in his career. And it's not because he doesn't want to get hit. It's because they can't protect. But on Russell's case, he doesn't climb the ladder. Climb the ladder in the pocket means you step forward. You drive yourself into the throw. And you're, you know you're going to get hit, but you got to do it. That's part of playing the position. And I just don't think he's done that. And I think when you what the owner said really was an indictment of the organization when he said, we need somebody to come in here and offer us discipline, offer us accountability, and basically offer us discipline. And those are the things that what happens is when your star player feels entitled, needs parking spots, needs this, needs that, and that was an issue in, in, in Seattle. Let's not forget this. I know players are defending him now, but that was the conversation in Seattle. Then it separates the team. You can't gain alignment within your organization. You know, Brady used to sit in the first seat to the left of Belichick. And when he made a bad throw, if Belichick just dismissed it, then, you know, what would happen if some free agent missed a tackle? He gets yelled at and Brady doesn't. There can't be double standards. And when you have double standards, you lack alignment. And your team can't grow. Everybody's accountable. Now, obviously, some more than others, but their accountability starts with the most important player. Jeff Van Gundy has a great, great, great line. He says, your best player must set the tone of intolerance that anything gets in the way of winning. 
and that's what happens. And when your best player is not playing his best, that's a hard thing. Michael Lombardi joining us. Michael, something else you've talked about since you mentioned Belichick and Brady, and I know you've gotten into this, but I don't know that our entire audience has heard this. What do you make of this notion that Bill Belichick was just another guy until Tom Brady showed up, that without Brady, he was just another coach? Well, the greatest coach of all time, Don Shula, who's got the most wins of anybody in the National Football League, okay? Uh, He went four years without making the playoffs with Dan Marino. Okay, so LeBron James is a great basketball player, but, you know, does he just play basketball? I mean, it's kind of comical. And you know what's even more comical is the first Super Bowl that they won with Tom Brady, they stopped the great Marshall Marshall Falk and the Ram offense. They won it with their defense. The last Super Bowl they won, it was 13-3. to The defense won that game. So literally it dismisses the value of the coach, and it also dismisses – the value of the program. And one of the things I think Brady probably misses, and I can't speak for him, is in Tampa it's different than New England. And Brady's grown up in a system. He's institutionalized in that program. That program just doesn't happen because you have a great player. To me, people that make that statement have never been a part of a team. Michael Lombardi is joining us. Michael, i pick my spots here before you go. What do you think of Jim Irsay? bringing in Jeff Saturday to be his head coach. And is the guy really serious when he says that Saturday is actually still under consideration for that gig full-time? Well, I think he doesn't understand what the job is, right? What's the most important thing to be successful? Understanding what the job is and what it isn't. And clearly, Jim Irsay doesn't understand what the job is. The job of a head coach in the NFL, at least what I think of it is, is the chief figure-out officer. He's the smartest guy in the room, and he can solve all the problems, whether it's offense, defense, or the kicking game. He's the broad thinker. He can see the game from 35,000 feet. He can identify the problems two steps before they happen. I don't think that describes Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday is basically no more ready to be the head varsity football coach here at Ocean City High School than he is coaching the, the, the Indianapolis coach. I don't care that he played. I really don't. I don't care that he played with Hall of Famers. I don't. Okay, football coaching and playing are two different things. Ozzie Newsom, the great Hall of Famer player, came upstairs to work for us in the Cleveland Browns. And one day he says to us, you know, I never knew what actually went on up here. He, he did his internship. He proved himself. He learned the business, and he became a great general manager because he put the time in. Like, you can't skip steps. Like, I'm not going to become a doctor and not go to medical school. It's just not going to happen. You've got to learn how to be a leader. You've got to learn how to be a coach. And you've got to learn the game technically. And unfortunately, Saturday skipped all these steps. And that's why his team has been outscored since he's been the head coach by 82 points. Michael Lombardi joining us. I mean, I, I would say that I, I don't mean to laugh, but yes, I do. I mean, it, it's, it's hilarious to me. And you're right about every one of those things. Since you mentioned the Browns, one last thought. What do you make, Michael, of how Deshaun Watson has looked? Obviously, a lot of time off. Obviously, a lot of rust that he's got to knock off. But how has he looked to you? He looks horrible. He doesn't throw the ball. I don't think he looks comfortable. I don't think he looks confident. I think he knows that he's not had training camp. He's not had time. He doesn't look anything like an elite player that he once was. And, and when you watched him against Washington, you don't see the same speed that you used to see from him. So he's going to have to really grind down and really improve his play. And they're going to have to figure out who they are offensively with him. And they're going to have to design that around him because I think this is not plug and play. I think it's the biggest misconception about pro football. You know, we see this with San Francisco. Brock Purdy plays well because Kyle Shanahan understands what Brock Purdy can do, and he fits him into the offense. Jarrett Stidham did it last week. I mean, you know, Derek Carr didn't do it. 
Derek Carr had one of the lowest com- expected completion percentages in the league near Carson Wentz and Davis Mills when he was playing. Last week, Stidham throws for over 300 yards against the best defense in football because the system he understood and he played within it. I think that's most quarterbacks. And if you don't figure that out early and design the system around the player and design the team around the system, it's hard to, fel- it's hard to win. I think this stuff is gold. One last, last thought, Michael, because you know the guy. Do you still believe in Josh McDaniels? Do you think he's going to get this thing turned around? And do you think he'll be successful in Vegas? I really do. I think he's paid a price for Denver, right? Like the old Josh McDaniels probably would have fired Derek Carr before he got there. And that would have created a stir. I think the new Josh McDaniels was patient. He was going to work with them. They extended his contract. Like he's trying, he understood what went wrong in Denver. Like nobody's given him a break on that. Yeah, they've lost a lot of close games. Have you looked at their roster? Have you saw what Gruden has done to the team and Mayock before they all got there? Like that's not a very good team. You don't go through drafts and not have top draft picks on your team that play well. And I'm not making excuses. Full disclosure, my son's the offensive coordinator. But I will say this. I think Josh has matured. He's tried to get Carr to go in there. The old Josh might have just said, hey, I need a different quarterback, like he did with Jay Cutler. He didn't. He tried to work with him. Now he knows that he's done this. It can't work. They move forward. I think his mind is bright. Look, he put 500 yards, 500 yards on the best defensive football. Why don't we ask Kyle Shanahan what he thinks of Josh McDaniels as a head coach? I like Josh. That's why I asked you that question. I like Josh. I've always liked Josh. He made mistakes, maybe too much too soon, 5-0 and with Denver, maybe got out in front of himself. But I like him. I still believe in him as well. He is the host of the Lombardi Line. You can check that out on VEASAN, where he's active. He is an author. He is co-creator of the Daily Coach, co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast. And, of course, he's got three Super Bowl rings to his credit. Michael Lombardi, my guest. Michael, great job as always. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. Good night now!